0: honored today to have with us Pastors uh, Jerry and Sherry Brooks from Oak Creek Assembly of God back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, they are the home, the place where we stole Pastor Tom and Jennifer. All right. And uh, Pastor and I, we've already wrestled about that and we won for this period of time but uh, Pastor Brooks and, and Sherry have served there at Oak Creek since uh, 1979 as the lead pastor. So wow, they've got a great tenure going on there. They love to uh, travel and find new places, and maybe one of those places is Salem, Oregon, and we're so glad that you're here today. Well, we asked Pastor and Sherry if they would come and be with us on this special day and give us just a little bit more of a glimpse into our new lead pastors, the Murray. So would you join me, People's Church, in giving a warm People's Church welcome to Pastor Jerry and Sherry Brooks.
1: Good morning. Uh, It's a joy to be with all of you here today and uh, celebrating this very first Sunday of the Murrays and their role as lead pastor here at this great church. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of background of their journey that brings them here. I was thinking, how does someone that is born and raised in Michigan, uh, educated in Arizona, uh, first job in Minnesota, and then serving in Wisconsin, end up in Oregon. And uh, there's a journey, you know, and all of us have a journey. And uh, we're so grateful for the journey. And um, you know, Pastor Tom, he attended Arizona State University where he received his bachelor degree in broadcast journalism. And then after graduation, he landed a job at KAAL, which is television ABC affiliate in Minnesota, where he served there for several years. And then in 2007, January of 2007, he moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to assume the role of reporter and uh, weekend uh, anchor for WTMJ4 television. You know, due to the fact that he was so busy on Sunday mornings with the uh, anchoring role and responsibilities for the morning programs there on WTMJ4, he sought out a church that would have an evening service. And uh, that is how he happened to come to Oak Creek Assembly of God. You know, Tom's hunger for God was very evident from the very beginning. I remember that. Sunday night service that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, from that moment on it became very evident that God was moving in his life in a very powerful way in a very exciting way he was unashamedly Pentecostal in all his declaration whether it be on air or off air whether it was on print or whether it was in other ways he was always you know standing up for the fact that he believed in God Jesus Christ was the savior But he also believed that the power of the church was based on Acts chapter two and verse four. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And uh, this Pentecost Sunday, I think is a great day as he begins to take his role of responsibility here. Tom started uh, attending our young adult ministry on Wednesday nights. And uh, it was there that he met his wife, Jennifer. And the two of them were married. Not so long after that, in June the 13th of 2009, his broadcast career was uh, advancing forward quickly, yet it was a time of searching, and it was a time when he was beginning to evaluate what is God's role and plan for my life? Should I be giving the news or should it be the good news? And it was very clear that God was leading him towards sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Sherry?
2: So while all this was going on, um, one night we were the guests of the Murrays in their home for a a delicious meal. Um, Jennifer is a great cook and baker. And Jerry asked her, what do you think of all this, Jennifer? And I so clearly remember her saying, I would consider it the highest honor to have my husband serve God in ministry. And she was always all in she would faithfully and cheerfully come to the services with their growing family. Um, she was uh, always a gracious hostess with a gift of hospitality, and she would help wherever needed. She has many giftings, um, but would help wherever needed. Um, she went on missions trips, or stayed home to care for the family while Pastor Tom went on missions assignments, and always just cheerfully and gladly.
1: I remember the day so clearly that we met in my office and um, began to discuss the steps that were necessary for him to fulfill the call of God on his life. And we laid out a plan of action together and Pastor Tom then enrolled in Global University's second degree program for those that already have a degree. And uh, now he was preparing in Bible and theology through Global University. And uh, much of his study was accomplished, I might say, late at night due to the fact that as a reporter and as an anchor, many times his uh, days were very long into the evenings as well. And following after that, he would study into the wee hours of the morning. You know, Tom then joined our team after leaving broadcast journalism. And uh, he began as an associate with us at Oak Creek Assembly of God on August the 30th of 2015 overseeing missions and the missions program where his heart was so deeply involved, as well as Christian education and preaching weekly at our Life Together gatherings on Wednesday nights and so, so much more. It was evident early on that God had a call on his life and uh, that call was to one day lead as a lead pastor. And I'm so grateful, grateful for the time that we served together, grateful for his influence, his godly character, and that character that guides his life daily. He is a man of integrity and one that we love dearly, and we're so glad that we've had these years serving together, and now this morning, it's our privilege and our joy to introduce to you and to welcome this morning as your lead pastor, Pastor Tom Murray. Would you give him a nice warm welcome as he comes this morning? Pastor Tom.
3: Thank you, thank you, please please be seated. Wow, People's Church is a special place. You know that, that's why you're here. I wanna welcome this morning my parents, Jim and Susan Murray, visiting from Michigan. Jennifer's parents, Terry and Debbie Bernander, visiting from Franklin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pastor Sherry and Pastor Jerry, thank you so much for um, being here today. Uh, It's uh, an honor for us to host you and what a privilege it was to give you a tour of the church yesterday. Church, we took the Brooks yesterday to Silver Falls, which is where we understand that that's where you take people when they come. We ate at Elmer's. So it's been a great, uh, great weekend and also at Cheers, We had a great meal at Cheers last night. Uh, we know it's, church, it's a big deal for a uh, senior lead pastor of a large church to miss a Sunday. So for Pastor and Sherry Brooks to miss a Sunday to be here is a tremendous honor and we're so grateful. <clears throat> I wanna publicly say to Jennifer, how much I love you, I'm so thankful for you, and thank you for prayerfully seeking God, and it's been um, special to me to, for me to watch how God has called you to this place as well. So we, I love you, we love you. After one of those first conversations that I had with uh, Pastor Scott Erickson, By the way, can we just uh, publicly thank the Erickson's right now for, once again, their love for this church. When Pastor Erickson called back in April of 2020, uh, I decided to immediately begin praying for people's church, not even knowing if we'd actually end up here. And then as I thought, well, maybe we'll end up in Salem, not sure where God is leading us. I began to pray that if by some chance we were to actually end up moving to Salem, Oregon, there is a uh, verse in Leviticus where God gives instructions for how the people of God should treat foreigners or strangers. Oregon at times has felt like a foreign country. God told his people to treat the outsiders, to treat the strangers as one of the native-born, to love them, and Jennifer and I, on behalf of our kids, Savannah, Dahlia, Tucker, and Elsa, we want you to know that you have made us feel like we were native-born. You have made us feel like one of your own from the beginning. We have never felt like strangers here. We love you, and we're thankful for you, and thank you for welcoming us from day one. When I look at Jennifer, when I look at my parents, Jennifer's parents, when I look at the Brooks, when I look at you, I see encouragers. This is a church full of encouragers. If we were to think about what we'd want people's church to be known for, may we be known as a church of encouragers. Let me ask you a question this morning. When other people tell their life story and they mention you and their life story, what do you want them to say about how you influenced their life? Because church, we have a choice. We can be the encourager or we can be the naysayer in the life story of others. We have a choice. When others tell their life story and they talk about you and me, they can reflect back and they say, oh, that person was an encourager or that person was a naysayer. We can be the encourager, we can be the naysayer. Moms and dads, when our sons and daughters grow up and they talk about their childhood and how we spoke into their lives as moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas, they can talk about how we were an encourager or they can talk about how we were a negative person. Married people, when our husbands and wives tell the story of our marriage, they can talk about us as being an encourager or they can talk about us as being a naysayer. Teachers, when your students grow up and remember you as their teacher, they can talk about you as an encourager or as a naysayer. Coaches, those of you who have the privilege to coach young athletes, when those athletes grow up to be adults, they, will, they can speak about you as one who is an encourager in their life or they can speak about you as one who has spoke negativity into their life. Do we want to be remembered as the one who said, it can't be done? The odds are, they're so stacked against you. You don't have what it takes. Do we want to be remembered as people who speak that into the lives of others? Or do we want to be people who are remembered for saying things like, you have God-given gifts. If you allow Him to lead you, if you put those gifts in God's hands, God will do things, take you places that are beyond even your greatest dreams. God made you for a purpose, and he has a plan for your life. When others tell their life story, what do you want them to remember you saying? God gives us the ability to identify and cultivate the potential in others. That's what we're going to see today. God actually gives you and me the ability to identify and to cultivate the potential in other people. Today is Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate the launch of the church after the death and resurrection of Christ. We celebrate the launch of the church under human power. Good, you're paying attention. At least three of you. This is the day that we celebrate the launch of the church under the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was launched when many were in the city of Jerusalem for the Jewish festival known as Pentecost. That's where it gets its name. On that day, the first public sermon was preached after the death and resurrection of Christ. Now here's where we get to the part about identifying and cultivating the potential in the life of others. Seeing people not as they are, but who they could be. I'm about to ask you a question And some of you are going to immediately know the answer. If you do, don't answer out loud. Everyone in the first service did well except for one person who immediately yelled the answer out loud. So challenge, if you know the answer, just keep it to yourself for just a second. Here's the question. Of all the people on the planet, who would God use to preach the very first sermon after the death and resurrection of Christ? of all the people on the planet who would god's choice be to publicly launch the global movement that we now call christianity now some of you just to make sure that your neighbor knows that you know the answer you said you whispered the stakes in this moment were incredibly high jesus is crucified in jerusalem three days later the tomb is empty acts chapter one verse three Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Then Jesus told these faithful first followers of Christ to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait in where? Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. 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 Jerusalem is where the highest ranking religious elite demanded the death penalty for Jesus. They demanded the death penalty for Jesus for the purpose of protecting their positions and they had convinced themselves for protecting the religious integrity. This is the city where the crowds cried, crucify him. This is the city where Jesus was tortured and executed. And so you might be wondering if the, if the Leaders did that to Jesus. What will they do to those who speak in favor of Jesus? What if we were to speak out? The first followers may have thought. If the first followers of Christ think any way like you and I think, they might have thought we should be waiting in any city but Jerusalem. But Jesus says, Wait. And they're faithful and they wait. Jesus appears for 40 days after the resurrection and then he ascends to heaven. Now a week and a half after Christ's ascension, Jerusalem is once again busy with people from near and far for the festival of Pentecost. Acts chapter two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, this is those first followers of Christ, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Luke is the author of Acts. Luke is the one who spoke to eyewitnesses and carefully investigated everything. Luke tells us that the first followers of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other languages. Can you imagine this? And they spill out into the streets and there are people who are in Jerusalem from near and far from nations and regions and people groups who speak all different languages and what brings them together to Jerusalem is the festival of Pentecost and the people are walking to the streets of Jerusalem and those who had come from far away begin to hear someone speaking in their language. Those who'd come from close by, but different people groups, they begin to hear someone speaking in their language. And it's miraculous. All these different languages are being spoken. So what happens? The crowd begins to gather. The Bible says a multitude began to gather at this miraculous moment. We're back to the question, who is going to speak? Of all the people who could be selected during this miraculous moment, who will deliver the first public sermon after the death and resurrection of Christ? Okay, now if you know the answer, who is it? Peter. Peter is the one who is selected. Do you remember what they said about Jesus when he went to his hometown and spoke? Do you remember what they said about Jesus? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter? Where is he getting all this? And they dismissed Jesus. What might they have said about Peter in that moment? Isn't this this a fisherman? There's nothing wrong with fishermen. But this is the one who's going to be selected to speak? Isn't this a fisherman? Is, is, is this the one who's going to give the message? Is this uneducated man, the one who's going to speak for God in this moment? Of all the people who could be selected, raised up by God for this moment, it's Peter. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter... He's not alone. He's standing with the 11. Lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, give ear to my words. On that day of Pentecost, as these Christ followers are speaking in other languages, you know, even in the most miraculous moments, there are people who want to dismiss that this could be a move of God. And so there's a rumbling in the crowd, and some in the crowd are saying, you know what's happening? These people are drunk. Because we know that's what happens when people drink. They begin to speak supernaturally in other languages they don't know. (laughs) So before Peter gets to what he wants to say that day, or what God has empowered him to say, he has to first say, they're not drunk. Come on, people. They're not drunk. Then Peter connects what's happening in this moment, this miraculous moment to Jesus. Jesus, Peter says, you know Jesus. If you never saw it personally, you've heard about him. You know the one who did mighty works and signs and wonders. Jesus, you know the one who you crucified. I wonder who he was looking at, who Jesus, or, uh, Peter was making eye contact with when he said the one who you crucified. Because this is the same city where just a few weeks earlier they had chanted crucify him, crucify him. How bold is that to stand up in the very same city where that event had happened and begin to proclaim the goodness of God. Peter says, do you know what happened when Jesus was crucified? That actually is God's plan and it's God's plan for good. Acts chapter 2 verse 32. This Jesus God raised up and of that we... All are witnesses. You can read Peter's entire sermon, Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2. At the end of the sermon, the crowd hearing this, they're so moved by Peter's message that they cry out, what do we need to do about this? This message of Jesus Christ being crucified as part of the plan of God. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, and Peter said to them, here's what you need to do. Repent repent. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Declare your faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a promise, church. Of all the people who could have been selected to preach the message that launched the church, the global movement that we now call Christianity, it's Peter. When Peter was growing up in Bethsaida and Capernaum, being trained in the family business as a fisherman, what if there was a day on the shore when Peter was there with his father and other family members and they were repairing nets after the day of fishing and someone walked by and said, you know what, that young man right there, I think that someday, after the Messiah ascends to heaven, that's the boy who will give the very first public message after the Messiah's ascension. What would someone have said in that moment? That boy? That one who's fixing the the fishing nets? Really, it's gonna be him? God sees people for who they can become. So church, when we see people for who they can become, we reflect the character of christ when we see people for who they can become we reflect the character of christ who are we to say who god can and cannot use to do great things if peter why not your son or daughter if peter why not the student in your class if peter why not your neighbor if peter why not the teenager in our youth group Peter was not the top scholar at the university. Peter was not the most revered rabbi at the synagogue. Peter was not the most eloquent speaker. Peter was a fisherman from the back country. Do you remember what happened when Jesus met Peter on the shore after that failed overnight fishing trip? Jesus was standing on the lake shore. He's teaching the people. The crowd is getting bigger and bigger. They're crowding around Jesus. I imagine Jesus may be walking backwards as he's trying to speak to the people. And he starts to feel the water uh, washing up on the shore, beginning to to touch his heels. And he says, I've got to get somewhere where I can address these people or I'm going to be swimming here pretty soon. And so he goes over to uh, Peter, who's at that time known as Simon. Simon has just come back in from this night where he's fishing all night and caught nothing. So a discouraging night for anyone who that that's, it wasn't like a leisurely fishing trip. This was your business and you caught nothing that night. There was no unemployment at the time. So you had to catch something. Peter doesn't catch anything. Jesus comes and says, can I use your boat? So they push off in Peter's boat a short way out from the, uh, the shore. And that's where that becomes the pulpit. Jesus teaches from Peter's boat. This is all happening in the morning after Peter's bad fishing night. Up all night, out on the water, nothing to show for his work, and Jesus is borrowing the boat. Luke chapter five, verse four. And when Jesus had finished speaking, using Peter's boat, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse five. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Then I wonder if they looked at each other and Peter finally said, but at your word, I will let down the nets and church what happened next is one of the most famous historical accounts from the Bible. Luke reports that they hauled in so many fish that the nets began to tear. Peter calls in his friends, we've got so many fish, we need your help. More boats began to come, and the boats began to sink because there were so many fish that were coming in that day. The boats began to sink. And here is Peter's reaction, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Who delivers the sermon that launches the church on the day of Pentecost? Who is the spokesperson for God after the death and resurrection of Christ? It is the same person, the same fisherman, who felt unworthy to be in Jesus' presence just three years earlier. Jesus recognized Peter's potential to rise from fisherman to prophet. Pause there. Again, nothing wrong with being a fisherman. If God has called you to be a fisherman, be the most God-glorifying fisherman on the planet. On the day of Pentecost, with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter delivers the message God wanted delivered that day. And when someone speaks the message that God wants to deliver, that is a prophetic moment. That is a prophet moment. Peter is the spokesperson. Jesus tells Peter, leave your nets behind and do What? Follow me. Walk away from the family business. Some of you are in a family business. You know the magnitude of this decision. Walk away from the family business and follow me. And we know that it's not immediate that Peter drops the net and then the next day he gives the sermon on Pentecost. There's time in between there. There's about three years, a gap of about three years. Training fills the gap between potential and realization. Training fills the gap between potential and realization. Jesus saw the potential in Peter when Peter was invited to leave the family business behind and be with Jesus full time. We are Peter fans. We are Peter fans. Peter wasn't ready at the moment for the Pentecost sermon, but he was willing to follow Jesus. Do you know that God is not necessarily looking for the one who's ready? God is looking for the one who's willing. And if we're willing, God will get us ready for the moment. In the moments, the months that followed, Peter walked and talked with Jesus, growing in understanding of who Jesus is, following Jesus the entire time. The evidence in the Bible is that Peter became the spokesperson within the group of disciples. When others were afraid to say it out loud, they could count on Peter to say it. When everyone else was thinking about a question they wanted to ask and everyone else thought, I don't know if I should ask that, uh, I think Peter will ask. And usually Peter was faithful to ask. In one conversation, Jesus is speaking with the disciples and he says, you know, you've been out with the crowds. As you're out with the crowds, who are they saying that I am? And what happens in that moment? The disciples uh, share with what they're hearing about who Jesus possibly is. And then Jesus changes the conversation. He looks at them and he says, but who... Do you say that I am? Luke chapter 9 verse 20. He, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And it reads as one sentence as if there's no break there, but I wonder if there was a pause. Jesus is looking around at them, but who do you say that I am? And maybe the disciples are looking, and the the pause moment is like lingering way too long, and they're wondering, is Peter going to say anything? And Peter answers, The Christ of God. When Jesus says, You've heard what the crowds are saying about me, who do you say I am? It's Peter. In that moment, in a moment of boldness, says, You are Christ. You are the Messiah. And you know that jesus was looking right at peter when he said on this rock i will build my church when we see people for who they can become we reflect the character of christ who delivered the church's first sermon it was the man who denied jesus not once not twice but three times at the last supper Peter stood up boldly and said, Jesus, I would go to prison for you. I would go to prison with you. Jesus, I would die with you. I would die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, Luke chapter 22, verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. After Jesus is arrested, around a fire outside the home of the chief priest, the person described by Jesus as a servant girl looks at Peter and says, that man was with him. Peter denies Jesus. Then Peter denies Jesus again. A third person says, you were with him. You are a Galilean too. And Peter denies a third time in the rooster crows. Church, I'm so thankful that that's not the end of Peter's story. After the death and resurrection of Christ, Peter, James, John, Thomas, and three others, they go out fishing once again. There were seven of them, the Bible tells us. Like that famous fishing trip three years earlier, they go out all night, and the fishing, one, the fishing once again does not go well. The seven, they come back, and they've caught nothing. Heading back from an unsuccessful fishing expedition, the resurrected Jesus is standing at the shore. They, didn't recognize, they did not recognize him at the moment. And he says, throw your nets out again. Some of them are thinking, I've heard this story before. I've lived this story before. And once again, there is a haul so great of fish that the nets cannot handle the load. Once again, the miraculous occurs. Yet for Peter, the powerful moment of this day would happen on the shore. Do you know that when they got to shore, Jesus actually made breakfast? Wow. Wow. Not many people can say that Jesus made breakfast for them. He did in this moment, and I bet he does not burn the pancakes. It has not been very long since Jesus had been denied by Peter three times. At the most weeks. And now three times on that shoreline, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time Peter says yes, John chapter 21, verse 17, he said to him, Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Peter is grieved because he understands the significance of being asked that question three times by Jesus. But here, Jesus reinstated Peter after a self-inflicted setback. Peter is reinstated And jesus looks at him and says feed my sheep be a shepherd what's done is done and it cannot be undone now set your eyes on the future and i believe someone here needs to hear this what's done has done and cannot be undone now let's look to the future even self-inflicted setbacks do not separate you from god's plan for your life the interaction on the shore happens during the 40-day span between the death and ascension of Jesus Christ. So after this reinstatement, breakfast on the shore with Jesus, it would be at most a few weeks before Peter would deliver the Pentecost sermon in Jerusalem that launched the church. Church, ask God to help you see people not as they are, but who they could be. Let's be people who see and cultivate the potential in others. Because to see and cultivate the potential in someone else is to be like Christ. You might push back and say that ability was for Jesus, that was just for Him. But do you know that when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit was promised and then was sent? And Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the helper, God dwelling inside of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 9, the spirit of God dwells in you. And some of you already know this feeling. You've met someone, maybe you've known them for a long time or even in their first meeting. And you can just see it in them. You can tell God is going to do something special in your life. It's clear to you there is potential. There is a gift that needs to be developed and cultivated. And when that happens, church, let's be the encourager. Let's be the mentor. Let's be the trainer. You know, you could say to someone, you have the heart of a servant, God is gonna use that. You have the ability to teach, to explain, to help others understand, God is gonna use that. You are a leader, put that leadership gift in God's hands and he will take you to places that are beyond your imagination. I can see how generous you are. Put that generosity in the hands of God and God will use you to make a difference around the world. When someone else tells their life story, do you want them to remember you as being the one who said it can't be done, it won't happen, you don't have what it takes? Or do you want to be remembered as the one who spoke into that person's life saying yes, it may be challenging. Yes, you will undergo training and preparation. Yes, there will be unexpected obstacles, perhaps even self-inflicted setbacks. But with God's help, your potential will be realized. Jenny Finch is a, she loves Jesus. She's a Christian and she's also a retired softball player. Jenny Finch wrote on her Facebook page this week, when I was 12, I had a coach tell me I would never be a championship pitcher. And she says, that devastated me. A coach looked at her and said, you will never be a championship pitcher. And here she is almost three decades later, she remembers that that coach said that to her. Do you know that Jenny Finch became an NCAA World Series champion pitcher, and she was also selected as the World Series most valuable player. Do you know that Jenny Finch won an Olympic gold medal on Team USA? So you have the coach who, at one point said into her life, you will never be a championship pitcher. Jenny on her website also talks about her father. Jenny writes on her website that she credits her family for her success, saying her dad did whatever he could to accelerate his daughter's progress. He constructed a batting cage in the backyard and would sit for hours on an upended bucket while she threw to him. He even transformed a small trampoline into a pitchback so she could use that on evenings when he worked late. When others tell their story, What do you want them to say about how you spoke into their life? How do you want others to describe you when they tell their life story? Church, let's decide. Let's continue to be known as the encourager. May I invite you to bow your heads with me this morning and think, how is God leading you to respond today First things first, when Peter spoke on Pentecost, he said Jesus was crucified, God raised up Jesus. And in response, if you've never done this before, you need to do what Peter instructed those listeners on that day to do. Repent, receive forgiveness for your sin, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is something you can do right now, right where you are. You can repent. You can say, Father, I receive your son. I acknowledge your son, Jesus Christ, as Messiah. I repent and tell your heavenly father what I'm doing today, God, is I'm turning from my old life of sin, and I'm turning to you. And you can thank God right where you are in your seat, and you can say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sin. And, Father, you can thank your heavenly father for the promise of the Holy Spirit. For others, as we think about our response today, you would say, if you're honest, and more often than not, you would say, I've been the one actually to speak discouragement or negativity or to give all the reasons why it can't happen. So for you today may be a day to ask for forgiveness, saying, God, who am I to say that it can't happen? Who am I to say that it can't be them? And you can ask your Heavenly Father, help me to turn it around, God. God, used me to encourage people to use their God-given gifts to do what you called them to do. Someone here today, you might be carrying a hurt because someone who is important to you that was supposed to be an encourager, instead they told you that you weren't good enough. Your heavenly father wants you to know today that he made you for a purpose. God does not make mistakes Pastor Brooks often spoke to our church family in Oak Creek about that. God does not make mistakes. God made you on purpose and for a purpose. His fingerprints are on you. And today, where others have come up short, your Father is all sufficient, your Heavenly Father. And you can say, God, I'm willing, get me ready. Others, you've received that encouragement someone has confirmed what you sense God already speaking to your heart and for some reason you've held back from taking that first step that we would call training or maybe you've had the training but now you're at that moment like Peter when you've gone through the training and it's the day of Pentecost and it's time to stand up and speak out boldly maybe you're at that moment and you know it's the time to step up But something, perhaps you'd call it fear, something is holding you back. Today is the day to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the empowerment to step up and speak out boldly, whatever that means for your situation. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. We're thankful that when we work with you and we place our gifts in your hands, What unfolds thereafter is not our story. It is the story of our gifts given to us by you in the hands of the Holy Spirit being guided by you, our Heavenly Father. Father, we pray for the one who today is making a decision to declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Seal this moment in their heart. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may they never look back. Father, for the one today... Who has been held back because of what someone spoke into their life possibly even decades ago father break that yoke today help them to be a person of forgiveness and mercy and move them forward in the potential that you have for them and father for the one who's here today there's a step that they know that they know that they know they need to take but something is holding them back father By the power of your Holy Spirit, give them the the boldness to take that step that they know that they need to take.